Hello, I'm Zev Neuwirth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, bold solutions, and inspiration in their daily efforts to advance patient-centered, customer-oriented, value-based healthcare. Folks, you're listening to the first and only podcast series I know about that is physician-hosted and dedicated to advancing value-based healthcare. Our focus today will be on the issue of overweight and obesity in children. This is a significant public health and population health challenge. It affects approximately one in every three American kids and teens who are overweight or obese. And although the prevalence of obesity has remained fairly stable over the last few years, it's actually tripled between 1971 and 2011. It's a, a, a tremendous challenge. It puts uh, our children at risk for developing serious health problems, including diabetes, heart disease, joint and back problems, asthma, and so on. And obviously, uh, it takes an emotional toll on the children and their families. We are incredibly fortunate to have uh, a guest on our show, uh, Joanna Strober, who uh, has some expertise and has been doing some really wonderful work in this area. Uh, Joanna has been uh, working in Silicon Valley for 20 years, primarily as a technology investor. In the late 1990s, at the beginning of the consumer internet, she invested in companies like Baby Center and Blue Nile and has continued investing in venture funds and companies until she started Kerbo Health, which we'll hear about, and she began that in 2014. Joanna is also an author of a best-selling book called Getting to 5050, helping women to stay in the workforce and thrive after having children. She's appeared on the Today Show, on NPR, and has been featured in the New York Times, Fortune, and Business Week. It's such a great pleasure, Joanna, to have you to the show today. Thank you. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I'm looking forward to it. So am I. And uh, so why don't we jump in? Uh, Joanna, why don't you, you know, you, you, you come from this amazing uh, technology investment, venture capital background. Uh, what, um, obviously, you've had a focus on, on children and families from what you've written about and, and the companies you've invested in. But uh, what got you to get into this issue of childhood weight management, nutrition, obesity? How did that even happen? So in addition to all those things, I'm also a mom, and um, I have three great kids. And my middle son had really developed quite a weight problem. And for a few years, I'd go to the doctor, and I would say to the doctor, are you worried about this? And the doctor would say, no, he, don't worry about it. He'll probably outgrow it. When he was 11, we went to a different doctor, and the doctor weighed him and looked at him and goes, wow, do you see that you're actually considered obese? And, um, and looked at me and said, you should worry about this. This is a problem. Um, we left the doctor and my son looked at me with tears and he's like, what, what is she talking about, mom? Like, what am I supposed to do about this? And um, that started me on an exploration of trying to understand what it was that I could do to help him. And what I found is that even though, as you cited the numbers earlier, that 30, over you know 38% of kids are overweight or obese in this country, there were very few things available to help him. We ended up going to a nutritionist, and the nutritionist saw what we were eating and basically said, oh, you're not, you're not eating the wrong foods, um, but they weren't 
trained in behavioral health and how to get people to over to stop overeating. Um, we went to a therapist and the therapist wanted to talk about his and my relationship, um, which he looked at me and said, I'm never going back there again. Um, it, it really became a problem for our household. And so I ended up doing a lot of research and I ended up talking to folks at the Stanford Pediatric Weight Control Program. Stanford has a really good in-person weight control program, but it's $3,500 and required six months of in-person visits. Um, For this working mom with three kids, I wasn't actually sure how I was going to get to six months of in-person visits. But uh, we ended up, um, I realized with my background in technology, there was an opportunity to take to take their program and turn it into a remote system. And so that was when I decided I should quit my job and, and get the license from them. And that's what got me started. So out of your own uh, experience with your son, uh, what, what was the, you know, you decided to jump into this and again, here you, here you are someone who's steeped in, in, venture capital, uh, you know, and investing and solving problems uh, and commercializing them. Can I ask you a question? What did it feel like uh, to be a mom and to, to, you know, having going through that experience with the the physicians and the therapists? What, what was going through your mind? What was going through your heart when you experienced that? So weight is a really complicated thing in our society. Um, there's a lot that you're worried about with health and health is a really big part of it. And there's also a lot of emotional issues involved. Um, my son was getting teased at school. Um, and, and also it was a little embarrassing to me and, and that's, you know, hard to admit, but it was true. Um, I felt like I was not doing a good job as a, as a parent. Um, and so there was a lot of emotional issues tied up in this. It's not just about health. It's also about, um, the way that society treats people who are overweight. And so all those issues combined were very complicated. And um, I felt a lot of pressure. And and what I've seen now that we've been helping thousands of families is that a lot of parents feel pressure. And one thing that we do wrong, and certainly I did wrong, is once you start feeling that pressure, you start trying to get your kids to eat differently. And then as part of a natural preteen rebellion, your child might not listen to you very well. And so I did learn through my process of starting Kerbo and working with experts in the field that things that I was doing to help him, because I really wanted to be a good mom and I really wanted to to help him get healthier and feel better about himself, those things were actually making the situation worse. And so a lot of what I what I had to learn was parenting skills that would enable me to be more successful. And I will say a lot of what we do is coach parents on these things. It's not just about coaching the kids. It's about coaching parents to manage uh, an issue that's both about health and emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. As a parent, you're trying to do the right thing, but you're not trained to do that. And none of us are. But you saw something uh, missing, some gaps in the traditional approach. Now, the Stanford Obesity Program sounds like it's probably a, a top-notch program, evidence-based uh, and all that. So uh, I'm sure there's research to support what they were doing. 
But you found something's lacking in that program and in other traditional programs. Could you say a, a, a word or two about that before we jump into the solution you created to to get around those uh, challenges uh, that were embedded in these programs? Yeah. So, I mean, to me, there was a big challenge in a sense. What they had was, number one, a group program with in-person visits. And... Um, uh, you needed to commit to 12 to, to six months of, of in-person visits. Um, and it was $3,500. Those things are pretty daunting for most parents. Um, now the other part of it for what I learned is that they, they did have a group, they had a group program and my son didn't want to go to a group program. He, he was not interested in, in, when he looked at other overweight children, he felt not good about himself. And so he he didn't want to go to a program like that. So that was the other part of it that I realized is that there needed to be something for some kids who didn't, did not necessarily thrive in a group environment and wanted a one-on-one program. So so it was the cost, the uh, fact that not everyone wants to fit into a group program. And uh, also the fact that you had to travel there again, being a, a working mother with three children every week to some building to sit there for a certain amount of time, which was clearly inconvenient, if uh, not impossible for you. What? Uh, so and they were also using what I call 1970s technology. Um, they, they use pencil and paper, right? They were using a pencil and paper to keep track of food diaries. And, um, and to, you had to write down your exercise on a piece of paper and pencil. What I was seeing was there were a number of companies getting started in 2014 that were for adults that were using mobile technology in good ways to get people to be able to do those things in a more effective manner. So companies like MyFitnessPal, which had an online calorie tracker, not safe for kids and you wouldn't want kids to track calories, but they had a really good online system and no one was starting one for, for kids. And uh, I think in my arrogance, I was like, well, if I don't start this, no one else is ever going to start this company. Um, because I was, because of my background in technology, I was uniquely situated to be able to tie technology and and children together in a way that most people were not. But, um, you know, it was clear to me that adults were being very successful using technology to lose weight and someone had to start one with kids. So, so how did you, so here you are and, and here's the problem. It's personal for you. You have a background that uh, knows how to solve this or is giving you the knowledge and skill to solve it. So how did you go about creating the Kerbo solution and, and what does it look like and, and how did you construct it so that it was uh, a bit more consumer, customer, patient-centered, if you will? Well, so the first thing I did was recruit two fabulous co-founders for Curbo. One of them, Thea, had been the lead behavior coach at Stanford for 15 years and had coached probably more children to lose weight than anyone else in the country. And so she agreed to, to come join Curbo with me and to start it with me. And then my other co-founder, Mark Rochelle, who had more than 20 years of technology experience in building products. So I will say that the key to this initially was recruiting great co-founders to do this along with me. And um, what we did was we we licensed the Stanford program, and it took us about a year. We distilled it into what the really key components were of the in-person program. 
And then we tried to make those components. We translated those programs into an app. So where they had a lesson, we made a video. Or where they had a lesson, we made a game. And we hired game developers and cognitive behavioral therapists and educational specialists to help us to translate all of the things that they did in person into engaging gamified things that would be that would create an, an engaging app. Um, and we also had some great user interface people who helped us figure out how to make a food tracker that was easy and fun and delightful to use, which was really important. Um, and then we also had to create a, uh, a, a connectivity between the app and coaches, but because what we do is we connect a remote workforce of really highly trained coaches to help the kids. And so then we had to create a coach portal that would enable us to monitor all the coaches and keep track of all of their interactions so that we could make sure that everything was done safely and effectively. So it took us over a year to create the program. It was definitely not a fast um, a fast process. Um, I will tell you that in, in Silicon Valley, there's a lot of desire for, we call it lean technology. Everyone wants you to just put things out there and see if they work and then iterate. Mm. But we were dealing with overweight kids, right? We were dealing with a very sensitive topic. And so we didn't feel like it was appropriate to just put it out there and iterate. We felt like we had to do a lot of developing and testing first before we would let kids use it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And uh, I can tell you, I'm grateful that you did it that way. So what does the Kerbo service or product look like if, if, uh, if I was a parent or a child, a parent of a child using it or the child, what, 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 how, how does it work? So the parent goes to our website and they sign their child up or they can sign their, their spouse up too. <laughs> you can sign up anyone in your family um, or yourself. Uh, and we do have adults using it as well. But the parent goes on the website and signs up and talks about why you're doing Kerbo, what kind of coaching is most effective for you, what are your primary health goals, and what are your hobbies and interests. And then we have a matching system that then matches you with a coach who's most appropriate for you. So if your daughter's a dancer, we're going to match her with a dancer. And if they're an athlete, we'll match them with an athlete. And um, then the, the first thing we ask you to do is download the app and you start tracking you start playing games and watching videos and um, learning a little bit and you start tracking your foods. Um, we use something called the traffic light diet to track your foods. So we don't use calories. We have you track your red, yellow, and green foods. And then within 24 hours, you get a call from a coach and the coach will see what you started tracking. And then we'll set up a meeting with you to go over the foods that you're eating and set some goals for the next week. So they'll figure, maybe they'll send you recipes or they'll send you exercise videos or they'll do whatever they can do that would be motivating to you. And, um, you know, essentially the role of the coach is to hold you accountable to someone who's not a parent. The most important thing we do is make the relationship better between the parent and the child. So we put the role of the food police into Kerbo, and that's really important. Um, so we, we hold you accountable and you stop talking to your parents about what you're eating. And, uh, what, and then every week you'd have a conversation with your coach and they would help track your progress and give, when you get stuck, give you suggestions on how to, how to improve. And, uh, 88% of the kids are losing weight. So it, it's, it's very, it is very effective. Um, 
and we're having the average person is staying with us for six months. Wow. That's, that is impressive. That's a, that's a long time to be in a, in a weight loss or nutrition program. And, and in between, before I ask you about some, some stories and results, in between the coaching, what, uh, what's, cause you mentioned gamification. What would the, the child or the parent be looking at to help them along the way during the week? Oh, so one thing I didn't mention is that one thing that we've created that no one else has is we have a family based platform. So after every call that you have with your coach, the coach is going to set goals for you for the week and they will email those to you and they also get put into your app as your updated goals for the week. And then they also email them to the parents. And what we found is it's really important to make this a family-based program. The more that we can get the whole family engaged, the more successful we are. Um, But during the week, the goal is to get the kids to track their food and exercise. Um, They get rewards and points for doing that. Um, We found that if we can get you to track by about four days a week, that seems to be the We'd like you to do more, but if we can get four days a week, we can actually get pretty good success in terms of weight loss. So you don't have to do it every day, and um, and you can do it at the end of the day. It doesn't take very much time, but uh, our really, you know, our goal is is awareness, right? We want you to become more aware of what you're eating, more aware of the types of foods that you're eating and the portions that you're eating. We want to help you to replace whatever the afternoon snack is that you've, you're eating with something that's will give you more energy and. Um, perhaps is a little bit healthier for you. Um, We do work with Medicaid kids. And so there is a a number of low income kids that we are working with. And with them, it's, it's really, some of it is very basic, but what do you eat when you get that free lunch? Like we'll help, help you to figure out, like if you're having lunch at school, what can you eat? That's, that's going to help you to, to be healthier. Um, If you're having breakfast at school, can you skip the chocolate milk and have the water or, you know, regular milk instead um, so some of it is the coach will be very concrete in helping you to figure out how to make better choices in your daily life and how to how to live a healthier life without it being stressful or too much work. So, so if I was a kid on this, I, I would be taking the app uh, uh, on my smartphone to school and and I could. No, actually. No. So that was actually one of the differences with our program, right? Because we had to design this around kids and lots of kids can't have their phone at school. So um a lot of programs don't let you go back after a meal and put the adult programs. They want to encourage you to do it all every meal, right? So they don't let you go back in time um, to report. But we have it set up. You can do all the tracking at the end of the day. So you can just sit down at the end of the day with your parents or by yourself, you know, depending on your age and put in your foods. You don't have to bring the phone with you to to school to be effective. Now, you mentioned you mentioned points and, and gamification. So if I were a kid on this, what and I'm racking up points and doing the right thing and laying down good habits, but what do I, in terms of the gamification, what can I win? So it's actually pretty interesting. We had a lot of discussions when we set up Curbo about whether we would have external motivators or only internal motivators. And um, there's a lot of research on this that you can get someone – motivated to start by promising them something external. But by the time they start doing it, we don't, we don't offer prizes because we really want it to become more intrinsic and rather than extrinsically motivated. So you get points, but you don't win tangible prizes. And, And that's, that's based on the science of gamification. It sounds like. Well, so it's based on the science of gamification combined with the science of how you 
how you motivate people to to adapt better Got habits. Got it. That's really that's fascinating. So how uh, how well is the program working? If you're a parent and and if I were inquiring and asking you, uh, give me a benchmark and give me how your program does compared to other programs and what I would expect in terms of weight loss. So we don't make any promises in terms of weight loss. If your child is really sticks with the program, they over time will get to a healthier BMI. Um, for many kids, if we could just get them to stop gaining weight and then they can grow into their weight, that can be effective. So we do have lots of kids on our program who have lost 20 to 40 pounds and they've been doing it for six months. We have other kids who have just done it for, you know, for three months and they've stabilized their weight and, and they're feeling much better about themselves. And we also consider that success. So we do have, I mean, 88% of the kids on our program are getting to a healthier BMI. And the thing that we feel best about is when we call those families a year later, their BMI is almost always still lower than when they started. So they may have gained some weight back because they do need to gain some weight. They're growing, right? But they are getting to a healthier, they're getting to a healthier place. Now, in, in the adult literature on overweight and obesity, there are obviously there's lots of diets that have been tested and there's comparisons amongst the diets and, and uh, benchmarks of what success looks like. Uh, is, is there a paucity of literature on the pediatric side so, so it makes it difficult for you or others who are, are putting programs like this together to make comparisons or... Yeah. So, you know, for example, with the adult programs, they want you to lose, they say that if you lose 5% of your weight, that you get to a healthier place and you can reduce the likelihood of getting diabetes. Um, that's with people who have started at a certain weight. So we are doing kids who are need to lose a little bit of weight at 85th percentile BMI and kids who are 98th percentile BMI and need to significantly reduce their weight. Um, there doesn't seem to be the same like 5% number for kids as there is for, for adults. Um, our goal is to get you to work with us until you reach a healthy BMI percentile. That doesn't always happen, but that, that is our goal. And um, we have lots of, lots of you know, stories of people who have done and, that. And, you know, the yo-yo uh, effect of uh, weight loss and then weight gain and in adults, uh, often adults gaining more weight than they lost and ending up at a higher, uh, higher weight or higher BMI than before the diet began. How do you have any sense of your track record or longevity in terms of sustained uh, weight loss after uh, the kids that uh, do Curbo uh, leave the program. How, how do they fare? So we are finding we do remarkably well with the younger children. So the kids who are 7 to 14, that does seem to be our sweet spot in terms of creating lasting behavior change. Um, I think at some point your body... And again, I'm not a scientist, but this is from my reading and talking to, to lots of doctors about this. I think at some point your body does reach a higher set point that makes it harder for you to lose weight and keep that weight off. So I do believe that it becomes harder when you become an older teenager than, than it is when you're, when you're younger. So, mm -hmm. And so we are certainly seeing, and I've talked to lots of doctors about this, that, you know, if we could, that 
that we are seeing longer sustainable results from the kids who are who are younger. So your recommendation based on your experience and the experience of other uh, of, of physicians and scientists is to start earlier rather than wait uh, till, till a child is in their teens. Yes, I think it's become a fallacy that we think that kids are going to outgrow this. Like all these parents think, and I was one of them, right? That, well, he'll just outgrow it, right? He'll, he'll grow and then he'll outgrow it. And they're showing that 80% of kids who are obese at age 10 become obese adults. So they're not outgrowing it. And actually there's a, I don't remember the statistic, but it's pretty clear that even kids who are obese at age five are becoming obese adults. So, you know, I don't know if they used to outgrow it, but right now without an intervention, they, they are no longer outgrowing it. Mm -hmm. Do you have a, a, a story of a, of a child and, 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 what this is, you know, not just the weight loss, but what it's meant for them in terms of their life. I know, you know, being a, a, a you know, a, a teenager, even younger than that, uh, going to school, they, they, being overweight and obese, a lot of embarrassment and probably impact on other aspects of one's childhood and life. What, what, uh, what successes have you seen in terms of uh, actual individual children or their parents? So, Certainly, that's one thing that I've learned a lot about is uh, kids who who are struggling with this, it does impact their entire life. Um, it, it, they don't feel good about themselves. It, it impacts their school and it impacts, you know, whether they want to do sports. I mean, one thing that I've seen that's so fascinating, right, is like a kid who's seven or eight who's overweight, doesn't want to do sports because they're overweight, which just is a you know, makes it so they're less and less want to do things that are exercise, mm -hmm. you know, that are exercise oriented. And so it's a spiral. And so a lot of what we've seen is that kids talk a lot about having more confidence and feeling more in control of their life. I think giving them something that helps them to manage this thing really helps them feel like they can manage something that's a challenge and it's difficult. And that gives them a lot of confidence that they can be successful in other parts of their, their life as well. And um, so we, we hear that a lot from parents. We hear that their, their kids are not fighting with them about food as much, that their kids are getting along better, that their kids are doing better in school. There's a lot of other parts of this that seem to get better when a child um, is, is feeling better about themselves. And I want to really say clearly, this is not about getting skinny. Like, we are not talking about trying to tell kids they need to be really skinny. This is about kids who are really quite overweight figuring out that they can live a healthier lifestyle and feel better about themselves. And um, we rejoice in, in them feeling good about themselves wherever they are, that we can, we can help mm -hmm. them with that. Yeah, thank you for, for, for sharing that. You know, I've gone on, online and looked at, at Kerbo and, 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 uh, I, I see that you post, uh, stories of, of actual children and, and how this is, how your program has, has really changed their lives. Could you, could you share with our listeners a, a story or two of, uh, an actual client of yours and, and, and how it's helped them? Yeah. So I'm, we actually, we have this wonderful room that I'm sitting in that is all the stories. They're all posted all over. And, um, so this one, Casey, seven years old, drops eight BMI points and help her, helps her parents lose pounds too. It says, with a family history of obesity and diabetes, Casey's mom really wanted her daughter to have 
healthier habits. And so she would not encounter the same frustrations that the mom had as an adult. And it says Casey was eager to start Kerbo after having frequent stomach aches. My tummy was hurting and I thought maybe eating healthier would make me feel better. I wanted a program that focused more on feeling good instead of focusing on weight. And um, so it says, it goes on to talk about the fact that Casey and her mom started learning how to cook together, that the daughter started learning how to cook, that she found exercises that she liked, and she started doing roller skating. And um, her daughter went from the 94th percentile BMI to the 86th percentile BMI. And uh, the father lost eight pounds and the mom lost seven pounds. So as you can see, it really became an entire family program. Um, and, and I'm looking at just an adorable picture of the girl with an enormous smile on her face. Um, there is a, um, let's see, let's find some other fun stories. This is a little boy in Singapore. And, um, it says, as he went about his day, Gilbert noticed that he felt heavy and lacked energy. So he set himself a goal to eat healthy. When his school offered a free Kerbo trial, he was excited to, to sign up. And then it says, Gilbert was paired with, co with a coach, and I really liked her. She was nice and friendly to talk to. She switched me from white rice to brown rice, and I started having healthier snacks. She also taught me how to read food labels. And um, Gilbert actually lost, he reduced his BMI to a healthy state. He started at 92 percentile. And um, now he's at the 87th percentile. So again, a pretty big difference. And um, he says, the Gilbert says he feels excellent and would 100% recommend Kerbo to other how, kids. How old is he? <laughs> he is nine. That's, nice. That's wonderful. Well, you could hear the excitement even in those, uh, those letters to you. You mentioned... Yeah, the, the letters, I mean, that's what makes my entire company's life <laughs> so happy when we get these letters every day from parents telling us how much they, their kids are just feeling so much better about themselves. And that's really the goal is to feel confident and, and feel empowered to. You know, I'm really glad you said that because it's, you know, the weight loss is, is just weight loss, but it's really what it means to you in terms of your life, right? I mean, it's, it's how you feel about yourself, what you're able to do uh, with the activities, um, the relationships. It's 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 more than just a number. It's more than a BMI. Uh, there's something much much more important that it leads to, and so uh, so I think your your letters and and your comments speak to that. You mentioned yeah, and I will say a lot of these kids have a lot of the stories that I'm looking at. Their parents have prediabetes or they have a history of diabetes in their household. So I think a lot of the parents are worried that their kids are going to end up unhealthy like they are. And so they're trying to help them before they get to that uh, point. Uh, I can completely uh, relate to that being a parent myself. How many, uh, how many children have, have you reached, have enrolled in the program or still in the program? And, you know, how many states? I mean, what's your, what's your scope and reach at this point? Yeah, so we have, um, we so we have a a free app that people can can use, and we have hundreds of thousands of people using the free app, and um, to track their food. And then we have for the coaching, which is really where the real success comes in, is with the coaching. We're going to coach thousands and thousands of kids this year, and we're we're growing we're growing pretty quickly. And um, we right now we're in the United States, Canada, and um, Singapore actually. 
the, the Singapore government is paying for all overweight kids in Singapore who are interested to do the Kerbo program. Um, we did two years of pilots with them, with their middle school population and their elementary school population. And we showed that we got better results than their in-person program. And so we started working with them. Uh, and they actually, they recruit kids in, in through school and they get diagnosed at, at having a BMI of over 90th percentile in school. And then they get invited to participate in and, and, and the kids in Singapore get this for free. The, the government pays for it. That's right. The wow. government pays for it. That's a good deal. Yeah, it is. But, you know, they they care a lot because if they know that when kids get diabetes, they're going to be paying for that. And so they are they are very focused on helping the kids avoid the expensive diseases that come later from being. Overweight. That's fast. So so the government's paying for it because they they recognize there's a return on that investment in terms of preventing things like diabetes, which will cost them much, much more later on when these kids become adults. Is that is that is that right? Wow. What, do you know offhand what the uh, percentage or, or, or prevalence of, uh, of diabetes is in Singapore? Is it, is it as, as bad, as, bad as it is in the United States or, or worse? Because here it's about, about uh, 30% to 40% of adults have prediabetes and about 10%, one out of every 10 people here in the, in, in the United States has diabetes and tremendous cost, right? Compared to people who don't have diabetes. Do, right. do you have any, is it as bad there or? So they have a growing problem. It's not as bad as the U.S., but they see that it has been growing pretty rapidly. So they are trying to um, they're trying to attack it before it continues. What a great story! I mean, uh, the government investing in their kids uh, and the future of the kids. I I, I just I think that's a, what, yeah. What, um, so so you're 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 uh, you're out getting thousands of kids just this year. Do you have any sense of how many children? Or families have enrolled with your program to date? I mean, it's been three years, two and a half, three years, or less than that? Yeah, we have, I mean, we do have thousands of kids who are doing it each year. And it's growing, it's mm -hmm. growing rapidly. And because it's digital, it can be accessed anywhere. Can it, can it be accessed anywhere in the world, right? Or it's not limited? Um, yeah, it's not available. You have to buy it in the U.S. App Store. So we have people in Australia and England who are buying it in the U.S. App Store. Um, over time will be available in other mm -hmm. countries as well. And so who are, so, so you're, you're, you're marketing uh, directly to consumer. Is, is that, is that right at this point? Or do you have other customers? No, we, um, so we have four different paths to market the company. We have, we market direct to consumers, although we don't actually do any marketing. It's all word of mouth and um, some search engine finding us. We do, um, we work through employers and employers, some very large employers are paying for us through their employee wellness programs. And so we have a, a number of very large companies that are now paying for us through their employee wellness programs. We have some Medicaid programs going on with through with some insurance companies where they are paying for Medicaid kids in different states to do Kerbo, and we're trying to expand that business. And then we have the business that we're doing with Singapore, and over time, we're certainly hoping to expand that government business to more locations. Got it. Wow, that's a that's a broad sweep of customers. Who who amongst those four different uh, customer segments uh, or sectors? Who which customer seems the most interested, and in, and in why, and or and who's the most challenging to reach? 
Um, unfortunately, the Medicaid kids are the most challenging to reach. Um, they are often difficult to find and, and their addresses change and their phone numbers change. Um, we need to work closely with their physicians to get them to recommend Kerbo when they're in the doctor's office, but they don't go very often to the doctor. So I would say the Medicaid population is probably the population that needs it the most. And we're extremely um, gratified to get to work with those populations, but, but they, they are the most challenging to reach. The, uh, um, I would say, you know, employers are actually the most progressive in many ways. They're, they realize that the overweight kids are expensive for them. And so they are interested in, in lowering their healthcare costs by working with Kerbo. And, um, and they see, they, they do see that overweight kids are expensive. And, uh, so, and then consumer, consumers sign up every day. They're probably our most excited, um, audience because it's moms who are looking to help their children. But, uh, that is, um, you know, consumer marketing is, 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 is expensive. So we don't do a lot of marketing. I think over time, we'd certainly like to do a lot more consumer marketing than we have been doing to date. You know, you would think the, um, Medicaid managed, uh, care programs, the state programs would be extremely interested in this. Uh, and it, it sounds like you have some clients in that domain and, uh, but there's still the challenges actually reaching the individual families and children is what it sounds like. So I guess on that, I would say two things. I would say that, yes, it is a challenge to reach the individual families. Medicaid is also a, a very difficult, slow market to sell to. Um, in, in many times, they don't think that they're going to have the kids for very long. And so doing something to help kids with preventive services is not high on their list of priorities. Um, if you don't think you're going to have the responsibility for that child's health care costs one year, three years, five years down the road, you're a lot less interested in, in investing in prevention. And I think that's a real challenge for Medicaid. That's interesting. But, but now just to juxtapose that with Singapore, but somehow they get it that they're, you know, you know, it may not be one program that pays for it, but it's going to be another government program that's eventually going to pay for it. And it makes sense to prevent this obesity. But here, because of it sounds or it seems like the fragmentation between Medicaid and Medicare, perhaps, or Medicaid and other insurances that uh, that uh, somehow it's 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 challenging to to uh, for the government to respond, our government to respond the way that Singapore has. Well, it's, I think one of my major frustrations with our healthcare system is that we have this massive number of kids who are overweight, right? And they, they are going to be very expensive adults if they don't get, if they don't figure out how to manage their, their health issues. But no one is actually responsible for those kids. And, and there is no centralized system that actually cares about those kids because someone else is going to have the cost of it. Right, whether it's another employer is going to bear the cost, or another insurance company is going to bear the cost, or Medicare is going to bear the cost, um, I would say that the thing that I've learned the most is that the reason so few resources have gone into overweight kids is that no one—it's seen as a societal issue—but no one actually has to pay the costs of them. And so, to me, you know, one of the—that's one of the biggest challenges that I feel like we face that. 
pediatricians are never going to bear the cost, right? Pediatricians can tell kids that they're overweight, but there's no cost to the pediatrician of a child being overweight. Um, hospitals, when we talk to hospitals, they just want to make money off of us. They, they don't have any sense that they are going to bear any costs if the child is overweight. The costs are all borne by the child and until they become have heart disease or diabetes or any of the other really expensive diseases that they get later. Um, but, but no one cares about the, right now. No one is looking at the return on investment on saying, look, if we get these kids to be healthier now, look at all those costs we'll save because no one feels like those are the costs that for themselves that they're going to save. And, um, that is that has been for me one of the most frustrating things learning about our healthcare system and just understanding how prevention is just not prioritized because you can't make money off prevention. Right. In particular, as you're pointing out, prevention in kids. Right. Right. They're just it's too far away. Right. The, the issues that they are going to face. Now, the reason why we started thinking about moms is that it is the mom and the dad, but I guess I would say often the mom who's most worried about the child getting teased in school or the dads are worried about them not being very good athletes. Um, the, the research is actually very painful when you read about the discrimination that kids face from even kindergarten teachers. Um, there's, there's a lot of research on, on how, how kids who are overweight kindergartners are not treated as well. Um, and so the parents, that's, you know, they're the first line of defense, right? How do you help their kids? And I, I wish we could get many more resources out to parents to explain to them how very simply they can help their kids and they don't need to wait until they become overweight adults. So it, it definitely sounds like you, there are some challenges in, in spreading and, and, and scaling this. Uh, what, well, maybe not scaling because I think if you, it sounds like this is scalable uh, intrinsically, but uh, what, what, tailwinds do you have? Do you have, you know, obviously you, you mentioned the moms and the parents, the moms and the dads who, who see and, and probably intuitively understand that uh, there are biases against uh, kids who are overweight and obese and in addition to the health problems uh, and, and uh, perhaps emotional and relational and psychological issues that potentially could ensue. So what, uh, other than the parents, what, what else is what other tailwinds are you getting that are that are helping you uh, it sounds like you're you're doing well you've thousands of, of children and families on this each year that you've been doing this what's what's propelling this is there any sort of movement is there any contextual uh situational things that are, are helping you grow <laughs> no i don't think there's a lot of things that are helping us grow we're it's through a lot of persistence um Resilience and persistence, I would say. Um, the, 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 I'm not seeing a lot of, you know, efforts in society to help these children. So, well, that's good. Um, yeah, good. Sorry. I feel like, uh, no, 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 it's true. Like, there's not a lot of interest, I have to say. Like, we are, we have to create the interest and we have to create the awareness because um, there is, there's a lot of resistance to helping these kids and to caring about it. And a lot of people tell us, you know, well, that's interesting, but, you know, 10th down on our list of priorities. Um, so there's no one for whom this is oh, so you, the top yeah. priority. And, and that's hard. And it's also scary for our society, right? Because so I've been I was talking to some folks in the military. They put out a report on called Too Fat to Fight. And they actually think that 60, 
68% of all kids will be ineligible to join the military by 2025 because they're going to be too overweight. So our society should care about it from a national security perspective. Um, the, the, and it actually turns out that the, the states that do the most recruiting to go to the military are the most overweight states. So um, as a society, we will be facing these issues eventually, that, that kids are getting increasingly unhealthy and it's going to be expensive and it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge for our society to manage it. But, but right now it is difficult. I'm not going to tell you it's not difficult. No one, you know, we care a lot, a lot about these kids, but I would say society doesn't, so, doesn't so care here, a lot about So you know, here you are, you and your colleagues at Kerbo are, are championing this. Um, it, it sounds incredibly frustrating. Are, you know, if, when you look back, uh, looking back now over the past two, three years that you've been engaged in this, I mean, would you, would you, knowing what you know now, would you, would you have gone into this knowing uh, how challenging? A fr- yes, really. Why yeah. is that? <laughs> oh my God, this is the most rewarding thing I have ever done in my life. Um, so, yes, I'm not. You know, I may tell you that it's challenging, but it's so rewarding. It is um, the the feedback we get from the kids and from the parents is is just unbelievable in terms of how grateful they are and how appreciative they are. You can't do something that makes you feel as good as what our job does right now. Um, and so that is, that is very energizing to us. And um, we're, you know, we are up to the challenge of scaling this and building it into a really big company because we feel so strongly that kids deserve to have this. They deserve to have access to education that helps them to live healthier lives. I just feel so strongly about that, that um, I certainly would not, I don't want to give up. You don't sound like you are. What, if what would make what would help you is there if if i if you could snap your fingers and uh you get the call from the right person or the right program says we want to support this or some employer coalition what is it that would really help to help you in this effort uh and clearly you're commercializing it but there's there's clearly there's a mission I, I, there are probably better ways to, to make money and uh, other things that are easier to commercialize. Uh, what, what would be the thing? What, what, where do you think the in is that would really help uh, you help these kids, one, the one-third of uh, American children that are overweight or obese? Um, so I have this triangle on my wall that I remind people of in my work every day. And essentially, the, you know, the three corners of the triangle – is you have the doctors, you have the payers, which is employers, insurance, and the government, and you have the children and the families. And in an ideal scenario, we are marketing to the children, or the doctors are prescribing Curbo to the families, and Curbo gets covered and paid for by the employers, insurance, and government. That's the ideal company, and that's the ideal digital health company in any digital therapeutic. But for Curbo, we need all those parts to work in order to become the really large company that we aspire to be. So, um, you know, we're on our way there. We're getting employers to cover it. We're getting some governments to pay for it. We're getting insurers slowly. Um, we do have of the consumers who are coming to us. We have pediatricians who are recommending Curbo and, and an increasing number of pediatricians. But we need to keep on working on that. And then, you know, we need to do marketing to, to get awareness, right? In the same way that 
drug companies do marketing for an ADHD drug or whatever else we need to do marketing for awareness. And so, um, you know, our goal is to, to continue to grow, to continue to raise capital and to try to make that whole you know, triangle. Joanne, I didn't ask you, uh, your son, <laughs> did you, did you, so yeah. here you were frustrated <laughs> with the traditional, you know, lack of, of effective services or, and in, in, in pediatric weight loss. So did you, you built this, did you have your son go in Kerbo and, and, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he became a Kerbo ambassador. Um, he, as we were building the program, my co-founder, Thea, who um, was, was very closely building the program, was actually working with him. And so he gave us feedback on the design and on, the, uh, on how the whole thing worked and, and did the program at the same time as we were developing it. He actually lost 18 pounds. Um, his, his BMI went from the 95th percentile to somewhere in the 80s. I don't remember exactly where. Um, but the part that was most exciting is he really has actually turned into an athlete. Um, he rows and he loves rowing and he spends a lot of his life now rowing. So he lives, he, he, it really has been transformative for him and for our family. Um, we don't fight about food anymore, which is a really big change in our family. So the, I would say that the family dynamic also got much healthier. Wow, so you, healthier so along your the way. son uh, and your family are, uh, are, are real Kerbo examples of success. They are, you know, it's, I will tell you, you know, starting a company with three kids, um, mm. certainly there's a lot of times where you're not there. So it's good that they, that they love it. I mean, they, and they can appreciate it and that they got engaged in helping me build the company. So that engagement was really good for our family. So I, you know, I feel really good about that. They, they helped develop the whole thing. They got their kids, they recruited their friends to help. And, um, I got them very engaged in helping us to build the company. And I think that well, wow, that's, that's really great. And, and that's a great way to, I think, end this episode of creating a new healthcare. Is, uh, John, is there any, any final thing you want to say that, uh, uh, about Kerbo? No, I, I appreciate the time to talk to you. And, um, you know, I would say, I think there's a lot of really exciting innovations happening in technology and health. And I'm hoping that we can make the healthcare system move a little bit faster and more efficiently toward adopting them so that we can get more, more people and families help along, along well, with their Well, I just want to say, uh, thank you for what you're doing. Uh, my kids are a bit overweight. I actually grew up as an overweight child and, uh, know the pain and struggle of that. And, uh, so I, I think on a personal level, what you're doing is absolutely critical and uh, from a public health and population health perspective, the data supports the need for what you're doing. So I wish you all the success. And again, thank you for taking the time. And and for the listeners of uh, this podcast episode, I want to thank you because I know you're you're the folks who are doing the work each and every day of uh, caring for our patients or supporting those directly who are caring for our patients. So thank you for joining us for this episode of Creating a New Health Care. Thanks, Joanna. Thank you.